Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hey buddies, how are you? I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. If you liked that, it was pretty darn in-depth about the thyroid. If you like that sort of thing, you will definitely love FNA, the Functional Nutrition Academy, because we have an entire month dedicated to thyroid health. Uh, So the Functional Nutrition Academy, just in case you're new here and you just landed, it is a 14-month program, practitioner program for uh, nutrition professionals where we talk about functional nutrition and functional medicine. Uh, But we have an entire month dedicated to the thyroid And that was really important to me because every other functional nutrition training that I've done or functional medicine training that I've done, the, we just kind of like glossed over thyroid health. It was really limited to like maybe a two hour lecture that like shared the spotlight with adrenals. Um, And as you learned, thyroid health from a functional perspective is really more than just selenium and iodine, right? It goes, it goes beyond that. So in FNA, we get into thyroid physiology thyroid testing, how to assess for patterns, and all of the different things that can contribute to wonky thyroid patterns, and then also how to help from a functional perspective. Um, Here's new news. Haven't announced it yet. Are you ready? Enrollment for the next round of the Functional Nutrition Academy will open August 9th. So it's going to be a September 1st start date. We're going to start the enrollment process August 9th. If you're on the wait list, meaning you've already filled out an application form with us, we are going to offer you an early access enrollment before we open it up publicly because we always love to love up on our wait list. You know, the people that showed interest early or often, we we got your back. Those who, and there's going to be a bonus too. Should I announce the bonus? I wasn't going to, but F it, why not? The bonus is going to be, so it's an early bird bonus for the first I haven't decided how many people that sign up. I think 10 people that sign up. I'm going to do a strategy, a one-on-one strategy session with you. So if you sign up early, if you're somebody who's like, I know I want this, I've been waiting for this enrollment to open, cool, sign up early. You'll get a strategy session with me and we can talk shop. We can talk about your goals, your hopes, your dreams for your business. We can look at the energy of your business, do some really fun stuff. I'm, I'm very excited to do those. Um, but if you're perhaps on the fence or you just want to learn more, we've um, got a couple podcast episodes coming your way. And I will also be offering a live stream Q&A event. So we'll talk a little bit about the program, but more importantly, let you ask me any questions if, if you're a candidate. Um, it, this will be by invite only, just as a heads up. So you do have to fill out the short application form on the website, go to functionalnutritionacademy.com. Functional is spelled with a K. We'll link it up in the show notes. Um, Just so we know that you're qualified for the program and we'll invite you to that live stream event. Um, So I'm really, really excited, like really excited about that. I just am, I'm just pumped. I just want to see people actualize their dreams, truthfully, like nothing lights me up more. Um, Really, the only way that you can do this program wrong is by not implementing the information, which is why there is such a focus on integration. Um, the big stuff that I'm working on right now, like in IRL, in, in real life, is continuing to enhance the business modules. It's like a little bit of strategy. It's a lot of soul. It's basically how I run my business. There's strategy sprinkled into the mix, but it's really, it's it's a engine driven by intuition and like what feels right. Because here's the deal. What I've found 
the big stuff that holds people back in terms of business, but like this also applies everywhere else, private practice, business, chasing your dreams, having hard conversations, whatever. It, it's not lack of information. It's not, it's not strategy, lack of strategy. It's really people's fear. And this team, this theme keeps coming up people holding themselves back for, from doing something. And it's something that they really want to do. They're feeling driven, compelled to do it. And it's something that they know that can help somebody else, but they, they hold themselves back from doing it because of fear, fear of failure, fear of not being enough, fear of falling flat on their face, fear of, fear of looking like an idiot, fear of upsetting somebody, fear that nobody will want you, fear of pissing somebody off. It, it's really bumming me out, man. <laughs> I'm such a hype girl for my friends and I wish I could do that for like every single person out there because I truly see such potential in people's ideas. My favorite thing to do is to talk shop. It truly, truly, truly is. And I just get so inspired by other people's ideas and I just see this the vision and I can see them actualizing it. And then it just makes me so sad when they stand in their own way. Because of fear, because of fear. I did, uh, a couple weeks ago, I did an IGTV and I riffed on this a little bit. I'm going to link to it in case you haven't seen it. It's only about eight minutes long. And if you watch it, I really encourage you to write your intention in the caption of the video. There's just something about claiming an intention publicly that kind of seals the deal for me. Like I was always so nervous to announce my goals out loud because I'm like, what if I don't hit my goal? That's so embarrassing. And I'm like, what kind of fucked up energy is that? You know? So once I started like saying really big goals out loud, I'm like, oh, this is, there's just something about like putting it out there that I swear, like it, it just, it works. So, um, you can go back if you, if you, if you set intentions, if you already watched it, watch it again, listen to it again, remind yourself of the intentions that you set. Because when, when I released that, it was right around the time of the new moon and the full moon, which happens to be this Thursday, if you're listening live, it'll be in two days, is an awesome time to reflect upon the intentions that you set on the new moon. But what you do at the full moon is you really figure out what needs to be released in order for you to achieve those things. If you haven't listened yet, no big deal. You can still set the intentions, even though you didn't do it on the new moon. Totally fine. But what I encourage you to ask is, is if it's fear, that's the thing that needs to be released. And if so, well, this pod's for you. Like I said in that IGTV, I'm a big feel the fear and do it anyway type of person. Like fear generally doesn't hold me back. Like I generally can like see the vision and like have such faith in the vision that I'm able to like, I believe in my mission so strongly that I'm like, okay, I'm willing to like get through the fear. But I will tell you, I totally understand that that's way easier to say when you're sitting on the other side of fear. You're like, oh, cool. Like you weren't even through it. Easy to say. But what about when you're actually in it? So like what do I do when the fear is actively holding me back? So what I'm going to do in today's episode a little bit is lay my shit bare because I really want you to know, I want to like destigmatize all of these like insecurities and fears because everybody feels them and they come up so often. And I feel like some people think, well, once I le- reach this level, then I won't have the fear. Or once I reach this level, I won't have the fear. Or once I do this, that I, and that's not true. Like it's going to happen every step of the way. Your brain is like a fear generator, essentially. We're actually next episode going to talk. I think it's going to be next episode. One of the next episodes, we're going to talk about the science of fear. And like your brain's job is to essentially keep you safe, keep you alive. So it's like constantly surveying the atmosphere for all of the the, the potential threats. Um, and this is especially extra true if you've experienced any trauma. Your brain's like extra atten- attenuated to that, to to so it's, it's real, like the fear is real, but that's what your brain does. So we have to figure out ways to self-assess, hmm, is this like a real threat to survival or is this, I'm just worried about my feelings being hurt or hurting somebody else's feelings? Like what's going on here? So anyway, I'm going to kind of like, I love how Brene Brown talks about shame and like shame can't exist if you're like bringing it forward and, and shining the light on it, right? So I'm going to kind of do that with the fear. I'm going to like pull it right out in front put it on the spotlight. 
use myself as an example and, you know, let's like light this candle. And before we tuck in, let me shout out one of the show's sponsors, Coyote River Hemp Co. I want to specifically tell you about a new product. It's new to us anyway. This is is like a newish product in their line, but this is the first time that we've used it. And by we, I don't mean me. I mean my husband. It's the the nighttime formula. Um, I don't generally have a hard time with sleep. Um, My husband is a awful sleeper. Scott's a terrible sleeper. And so, um, we tried out, I don't know why I keep saying we, like I'm like micromanaging his lived experience. It's like not the case. That is not our vibe. Um, I was like, Hey, do you want to try this? And he's like, okay. Anyway, he's, <laughs> he said he's, he's been getting really terrific sleep. Um, so that could be something to try out. And I, Call that one out specifically. I don't use it. I use the full spectrum hemp oil, the 1000 milligram. That is my, my, my favorite one. That's the one I use like as on a daily basis. Um, but the, I know so many folks struggle with sleep issues, like so, 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 so many folks. And so that could be something to check out for you. Um, so check out coyoteriverhempco.com. You can use the code FUNK10. That will save you 10% off of any of your purchases, might I recommend if you're tinkering around on their website to get the CBD salve just because it's amazing. Oh my gosh, it's so good for aches and pains. I ended up getting it for like a ton of people in my family for holiday presents this year Um, because everybody has aches and pains, I guess. (laughs) It's hard getting old. Anyway, check them out, Coyote River Hemp Co. All right, so let's get into this discussion. I... I think I'll first start off by telling you a goal of mine, which is to, because, you know, I'm going to, you know, take my own advice and claim it out loud to a bunch of people. A goal of mine is to expand the podcast audience because as my business grows and expands, um, which is I'm in a, a period of widening out the business, expanding out the business it's still really important to me to make sure that I continue to have offerings at different price points. That includes free. That includes free content. And I have received recently an uptick in very positive feedback about the show. Um, This one is from Abby Joel, but it, it kind of encapsulates the premise of what I hear from a lot of people. You and your podcast have changed me so much always great information. I'm on a path to recovery because of you. And currently, our current stats are, we have about 60,000 downloads per month, which by the way, if, if you're not up to date on podcast, stat, podcast stats, because why would you be? Um, in the grand scheme of podcasts for non-celebrities, that's a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a fair amount of downloads. Um, so to my listeners, P.S. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you for coming back week after week. Or if you're just tuning in, hi, hello. Um, but receiving messages like Abby's literally every week makes me say, why not 100,000? Why not 200,000? Right? Not, why not a million people on the path to recovery every month? Why not? I'm here recording anyway, right? I'm here. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm showing up. Why not take these messages and like blast them out into the stratosphere? Why not? Of course that makes sense. This is free. You get to tune in for free. Take whatever energy I'm putting into the microphone and apply it to your life. Energy or information, whatever's getting into the mic and apply it to your life and get really good results. That's incredible, right? Why not more people? I'm holding this huge vision for people's health. And I see this amazing ripple effect. And for those of you guys who are sensitive to energy, can you feel that? Like it's so incredible. And I see it and I feel it and I'm like, yes, yes. And also, I am terrified. And there's a very specific fear that I will talk about today. And it's not necessarily the fear of growth, the fear of expansion. I I have definitely dealt with that, which maybe we could talk about it on another podcast. I feel like I say that every episode, (laughs) the subject for another podcast. But it's more so what could happen 
with that growth and expansion. And to be honest with you, it has a lot to do with how people engage online. And that's when I say that, like when I sit here and admit that to you, I feel a little embarrassed. I'm a little embarrassed about that because it's so stupid when you say it online, except when you think about how much time we spend online. It's a boatload of time. For some people, it's like the majority of their waking hours, right? So we're spending a lot of time online. So it it makes good sense to be nervous about how people react to you online. I get it. I mean, I feel it. I feel it. And I don't think it's silly because I don't think my feelings are silly. So what I actually sat down to do is write about the science of fear. That was the original intent for this week's podcast. And it's still going to come. It's still going to come. But I got really uh, derailed because I was aware of how afraid I was to write about fear. I caught myself like posting so many disclaimers. And it's because I'm so acutely aware of how people twist up other people's words these days. And quite frankly, that awareness has held me back from talking about some specific topics the past, I don't know, six months or so. There has been there have been some podcasts that I've done or some episodes that I've done that you've probably noticed I've been very cautious with my words. And I I think we should all be mindful of our words and how they can land. I'm, you know, definitely. Um, but this has maybe been a case of like overthinking because I'm terrified that someone is going to come and twist up my words and then try to use them to tear me down. And that's it. That's it in a nutshell. And yes, this is, of course, where cancel culture comes in. And a few people have asked me my thoughts on cancel culture. For for the most part, we've needed it. You know, (laughs) we've needed, we need accountability. I, there are people out there saying and doing some pretty harmful things and like, yes, let's hold them accountable. And I know that like, uh, my, my stake in the game is a little bit higher because I have my own personal lived experience. I have witnessed far too many people not be held accountable for their actions in my own life. And so I have a very keen sense of justice and fairness. And honestly, I don't know if that's because I'm an Enneagram 8 or because of my lived experiences. I don't know if this is just like an errand thing or it's like a, I don't know, product of my environment thing. But accountability is massively important to me. Fairness is massively important to me. Like almost like to a detriment. So that's not what I'm talking about. Being held accountable for shitty behavior is not what I'm talking about. What I'm seeing is is kind of something else entirely. And honestly, it took me it, it took me a, like a great many hours to get my thoughts out on paper and to like organize them enough to like sit down and record a podcast. And I still don't know if I've organized them. So, so hear me out. I I'm recording this because I feel like, I feel like people are going to relate to this. They're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing this too. Um, what I'm seeing is people who are like genuinely enjoying seeing other people dragged, like really loving this fall from grace. There is an entire internet of people, the media included, who are just so excited to pounce on somebody's words just to twist them up and fit a storyline. And so that is specifically what I'm afraid of, that my words are taken out of context and twisted up and used against me. And it's a legitimate fear because I've seen it, we've all seen it play out in so many other places. And I talked about this, um, the intuitive fasting episode, I, I kind of danced around this subject a little bit because I, and I questioned the whole like zeitgeist narrative of Gwyneth Paltrow is the worst human on the planet, right? We, we talked about that. We un- unpacked that. And here again, I'm going to talk about Gwyneth and it's not because I'm like Gwyneth's like super fan fangirl. <laughs> um, Although I can see how you would think that because this is the second time I'm talking about her in a podcast and it's not to like shit on her. I mean, I think there's a lot of podcasts about Gwyneth Paltrow like shitting on her. People love to do that. Um, But there, did you see the headline going around? I think it was like sometime in May um, where it was the low point of Gwyneth Paltrow's, Gwyneth Paltrow says the lowest point of her pandemic was when she ate bread. 
I mean, I was seeing this all over my feed and people actually even sent it to me. I'm like, read the room. That's not going to go over well here. I was just annoyed about it. I was pissed. I, let me, let me quote Sutton from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I was like, let the mouse go. Like, it, it, it's been done before. You know, it's been done before. Another Gwyneth headline? Really? Um, so let's talk about the actual story, like what she actually said, because she actually never said my low point of pandemic was eating bread. That was people that twisted her words, took them completely out of context, twisted up her words. So what she said... And so I'm somebody that if I see a headline that rattles me to my core, I'm going to do some digging. I'm going to do some digging rather than just regurgitate this clickbait headline to like fan the flames. I'm actually going to be like, is this real? Is this reality? And I mean, I probably should do this, you know, even more than I do, but I try to be good at this. I try not to share something unless I know that there's some weight behind it. So I did some digging and um, what she actually said. So she was on the Smartless podcast. I don't know how Smartless, Smartless. And it's hosted by Jason Bateman, one of the true loves of my life, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett, three funny dudes. Here's what she said. Basically, and I, I grabbed this from the transcripts and I also listened to it. Basically during quarantine, I was drinking seven nights a week and making pasta and eating bread. I went totally off the rails. I mean, who drinks multiple drinks seven nights a week? Like that's not healthy. And then Jason Bateman, my love, asked her to elaborate. And she said like on like the drinking piece. And she's like, like, he's like, what were you drinking? Like, were you getting blacked out drunk? (laughs) It's not funny, but it's Jason Bateman. So it's funny. Uh, I feel like everything out of his mouth is. She said, I love whiskey and I make this fantastic drink called the Buster Paltrow, which I named after my grandfather who loved whiskey sours. And it's this great quinoa whiskey from this distillery in Tennessee with maple syrup and lemon juice. It's just heaven. I would have two of those every night of quarantine, basically. That's it. That's what they talked about. That's what was said. She was talking about her drinking being too much. She said it was too much. She was drinking two drinks every single night that's a lot of alcohol. I hate to burst your bubble to anyone listening that's like, what? Yeah, that's a lot of alcohol. Probably too much for your liver. Okay. Um, and so that's what she was talking about. It's like drinking too much. And what did the internet do? The internet picked out one word, bread, and then spun it into yet another reason to hate Gwyneth headline and people gobbled it up. And to me, it's so obvious what's happening. It's so obvious. And if it's not obvious to you, you probably haven't been paying attention. (laughs) Like, Like, I just feel like to the people who are just regurgitating that article and just like doing their witty tweets, I'm witty, I tweet. Uh, Do you just want to be a cog in a wheel? Is that how you want to exist? Or do you want to, maybe the answer is yes. And if so, bravo, because you're doing it. Okay. That's, that's it. You know, just don't dig any deeper with any article. Just simply engage with clickbait, right? Don't ask any thoughtful questions. Don't look for context. Just read a headline designed to get you to react and then react and then send it to somebody else so they can react, right? That's that's it. That's the whole system. You're playing the game. But like, I've always been like, I would rather, and I'm sure there's definitely places where I'm just a cog in the wheel. Definitely. But like, I would so much rather like cram a stick into the wheel spoke and like disrupt the whole goddamn thing. You know, like this is effed up. This is effed up. Can we call it? Can we call it out that it's effed up? And I, I, you know, if that's something you want to participate in, you know, do you, but don't send it my way. God, I'm not a safe space for you to land those articles. I'm not going to engage with you. I'm not going to give you the reaction you're looking for. I personally don't get giddy when a woman gets dragged. Why do you? Why do you? I have a theory. Of course I do. I have a theory and it has a lot to do with that tall poppy syndrome that I spoke about a couple weeks ago. I think that if we see someone doing something that we're not doing or something that we want to do or something that we wish we could do, it's just so much easier to tear them down than to like reach deep inside ourselves to question why we're having an emotional reaction to them. Right. And, you know, like we don't need to, to, to harp on the Gwyneth Paltrow thing. We can use this 
in many other places as well. I remember, this is years ago, I was writing a blog about kid feeding and the advice that I had asked for asked for feedback and the advice that was offered to me was like maybe tone down the healthy a little bit or like the like the weird foods a little bit so as not to ostracize other moms or like make other moms feel bad which is the the message is like if other moms see what you're feeding your kid they're going to feel badly about themselves and i'm just like so i I have to tone myself down so other people don't get upset just by me existing. So I have to like kind of like lie. I have to like feed my kid some something that I wouldn't feed her just to, I don't, I don't get it. Right. But it's like, it is like, there's something that we're taught societally. And again, I, I, I did allude to this in the, the tall poppy syndrome, so I won't, I won't keep going here, but that if like, if they're doing well, that means it just like elicits the, I think, okay, I think that this is, you know, when you start eating healthier or you start taking care of yourself or you start going for a run or you start I don't know. These are random examples, but like you start like, okay, I got it. Like, I want to get healthy. I want to like start to take care of myself. You start drinking less, whatever it is. The people in your life, like close friends or family might not be supportive of that. Or they might kind of like, you know, like make comments. Like if you're making a green smoothie, oh yuck, or you're taking so many supplements or whatever, whatever it is. I don't, it, it, this can hold us back from doing that thing. But I think it's because what people see is like you taking action on your life, you taking inspired action on your life and doing the damn thing. And ultimately they're not upset about that. If there's, if they love you, they want you to do well. They want you to thrive. They want you to be healthy. But what it elicits in them is I'm not doing enough. And so it's so much easier to reach out and critique somebody else or to like make it somebody else's problem than to like dig deep within ourselves and say, why do, why does this make me feel bad about me? You know, like, let me sit with my, with, with my weird emotions. No, it's just easier to like project onto other people. Anyway, I, am I getting off track? Probably. Um, anyway, so back to like people sending me that article. The other thing that, that I, that that does like we're not going to bro down on the fact that like y- you're engaging with like a smear campaign against somebody else like, like that's not that's not how I get down and now I know that you're not a safe space for me I know that you're willing to turn on me on a dime if I fuck up or even worse if somebody twists my words to make it sound like I fuck up right if somebody's like taking what I say out of context this is a fear of mine Here's the deal. The people that are creating, that are putting themselves out there, that have a public platform or not, that are sharing their thoughts, sharing their ideas year after year after year, they're probably going to mess up at some point, right? To err as human, right? And it's just so much easier to be a critic than a creator. It takes so much more courage to create than it does to critique truly, truly. And my hope is that if I mess up at any point, my audience will provide me with the grace and a shot at redemption. That's my hope. But my fear, my fear says otherwise. Why? Because I see it played out so many times and because I have people sending me, you know, smear campaigns in my freaking DMs. So I think it's a legitimate fear. There's this belief that we see play out online that the way that we're choosing to do something or the way that we're choosing to view something is the only right way. And if we believe that, because we believe that it's the only right way, we need to see that reflected back to us in every single thing that we consume, every single thing that we engage in. And people are very accustomed to their online space being a reflection of their own beliefs. I mean, this is how it's designed, right? The algorithms or whatever are designed, you know, that confirmation bias. So you see more and more and more and more and more and more of your own belief system. It's that echo chamber. And so anytime somebody sees something that rubs up against that, they get upset. And they kind of make it somebody else's problem. Because we don't, for the, for the most part, us as a collective kind of lack 
emotional maturity. And this is a, not a, uh, this is a term that I got from Africa Brooke. Uh, I'm really appreciating her work. I feel lately, I just feel like she speaks to the things that have been on my head and on my heart a lot lately. And, you know, I just, people, I think people sometimes view her as radical, which is, I know I've said this a hundred times if I've said it once. It's just so fascinating to me to see the people who are like actually in the middle, the people who are discussing the gray area, the nuance, talking about things with actual context, they're the ones that seem radical, <laughs> right? The, the ones that you cannot put in a bucket of this or that, they end up seeming radical. Anyway, um, she talks about emotional maturity and does, uh, it really defines it as outsourcing our responsibility to other people to caretake our emotions um, rather than do the inner work of why am I having this emotional reaction? We make it somebody else's responsibility. And I, I, I talked a lot about this when I talked about triggers and I actually think it's that same episode, uh, intuitive fasting, um, where when we get triggered and it's so easy to blame the person who we think triggered us rather than to say and unpack, like, why am I having this emotional or this visceral reaction? You know, what's going on in me? But instead what we see is like this, this idea of I don't like it, therefore it shouldn't exist. I don't want it, therefore it shouldn't exist. You know, I, I've, I've used this example before, but it really paints a picture that that time somebody messaged me and was like, you seem like you're really focusing on the negative a lot lately. I think you need a break from social media. And I'm like, why do I need a break? Maybe you need a break from me, you know? Like maybe you need to get disengaged with me. Were are you going to come and just, just like erase my existence because you don't like what I'm saying? That, that's bonkers. That's bonkers. The idea that everything here has to be for you is preposterous. That is not normal, right? That's not normal. I think people should feel empowered to use their work to use their voice, to use their message, or to use their platform to speak on the things that are important to them. And then other people can decide whether or not they want to engage with it. Reversing that is like so, like, like you're here to feed me or, you know, like that's such a bizarro way to engage with content. It, it really is. And beyond that, and I, I, um, I will link to, there was one IGTV video that Africa Brooke did. It was over and it was long, it was long, uh, but I think it was like worth the listen. Um, so I'll link that up if you care to dive down that rabbit hole. But she, she talked about, she made a really good point. Like when you step outside the screen and you actually have conversations with people in real life. You'll see that a lot of people exist in the middle. And, and isn't that the truth, right? I The more conversations I have with people versus just like consuming content online, in real life, like feet on the ground, communicating with somebody, you've got a face with a view, like actually communi- looking somebody in the eye and communicating with somebody. What I have found is that there's so much commonality, like somebody's political beliefs could be wildly different than my own. And yet as two people, we still have so much commonality. And yet when we're living our life in the echo chamber that is social media or the media, we don't really see this commonality. We're not exposed to it. Again, those algorithms are all designed to feed you more of what you already believe. So... We just see more discrepancies and less connection points. And there's this, this like frantic need to put people in buckets to like organize our thoughts around somebody. Like, are they this or are they that? Because you said this, I'm going to put you in this bucket. And this comment has stayed on my heart. This is actually from an Africa post. If, if somebody like is like putting out really good content online, I'm usually in, you know, like reading through the comments and just 
there's a lot of insightful conversations to be had online. You know, it's not all bad. Um, somebody said, I see more people staying silent when they actually don't want to be out of fear of false labels. And man, that's exactly it. That is exactly it. I'm afraid of false labels. When I was writing about the science of fear, I was kind of, I had to kind of touch upon fear and like how, how it's like playing out. And I, I was like kind of dipping my toe and like talking about like the fear narrative and was like really acutely aware that somebody could take what I was saying and like twist it around and position me as like alt-right. It sounds so ridiculous, but I'm like, huh, taken out of context, this could sound a little, like me talking about the fear narrative could sound like I'm a COVID denier or, you know, it's like, People, like, that's it. Like, Gwyneth Paltrow literally mentioned the word bread, you know, and, like, look at the headlines that were strewn about. And I obviously am not, like, on Gwyneth Paltrow's level. Like, let's not get it twisted. Um, but you know what I'm saying? The So the one thing that I don't want this to be all, like, here's my problems. Want to solve them? <laughs> I want to, like, say, like, here's how I'm working through it and give you specific examples. The one thing that helps me move through the fear of speaking about something. So if there's like, there's something that I really want to talk about. And I have to remind myself that if it's, and I'm saying this because this applies to every single person listening. If it's on my heart to speak about, it's probably there for a reason. And if I think that at least one person can benefit from it, then who am I to not speak on it, right? If it's true, if I know that it could help at least one person, who am I to hold back? And doesn't helping that one person, and let's be honest, it's probably more than one person, right? Doesn't helping that one person outweigh any negativity or any negative, you know, the, the negativity that's generated by something that I could, or potential negativity that's generated. That's kind of how I move through that. There's somebody, there's something that's coming through me. It's on my heart. There's, it's probably there for a reason. Um, and I think it could help somebody. So I probably shouldn't hold back. And if you're someone listening that's been wanting to share more of yourself, but you're terrified Keep that in mind. If it's on your heart to speak about, it's probably there for a reason. And I will tell you, and this is a promise, this is the truth. The times that I have felt like I am going to vomit saying this were the times that I got the biggest response. Can I tell you how many times I listened to that intermittent fasting podcast episode before I sh- I sent it to, to two of my friends? I've literally never done that. I've never had somebody like proof listen a podcast. I sent it to two of my best friends. I even like re-recorded certain sections at one point because I was so nervous. It was it, uh, and I got a phenomenal response. Let me just say that a phenomenal response. Right? We tend to get nervous. We, we might have like anticipation of like, this is going to be big, right? And so we can get nervous about dropping them. And by dropping it, I mean like, you know, like dropping an album, not like dropping something on the floor. Um, and I think we also, since we're talking about this, this kind of fits in. I think we have to touch upon this, especially if your like the fear of like how people perceive you online is part of your fear. And honestly, this comes up so much in the people that I, that I talk with that I think it it warrants having this conversation on a bigger platform. The things that people will say to you online is nothing, is never something that they're going to say to your face, first of all, like ever, ever, ever. And I, I don't run Facebook ads. I have run two Facebook ads, like ever. In both times, I had had random people come out of the woodwork and say really mean things. And I'm like, what the hell? What is this? So one time I responded and she responded back and she was apologetic. I I think people like don't realize that there's like a human being. Like I'm, this is like one, one person posting this, 
reading, getting the notifications, reading the comments and responding. Like this is a human being. And I think sometimes people forget that. So they're just really loose with their opinions that nobody fucking asked for. (laughs) Nobody asked for your opinion. Um, They're just really loose with their big opinions and they're flinging them all over the the internet. But this is not how they would actually conduct themselves in real life. And I read this this week. It's from natural underscore underscore Natasha on Instagram. She, She said she elaborated on the concept of social media being an illusion. And she said, on social media, you are not allowed to make mistakes without being attacked. You can't look a certain way because people make your physical features their problem. Hello, Lizzo. You can't have different opinions without someone trying to argue. And this is why most people stay silent on certain topics. People turn small conversations into full-blown arguments. People only show the best parts of their lives and people attack your beliefs if they don't align with theirs. People can be literally whoever they want to be online. But in reality, off social media, most of these things do not happen to the extent that they happen on social media. This is because people are comfortable with the persona they have created behind the keyboard. There's a true disconnect between the real world and the digital world. And man, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? So if somebody is reacting negatively to you, we have to remind ourselves that this is not how people would would behave in real life. Does it totally erase the sting? No, but does it reduce it a little bit? Kind of, kind of it does. Um, I, I, I have had far more confrontations in on social media than I have had in real life. For real, like in real life, people like smile and wave and then like they're like setting screenshots of me like behind my back, you know, come on, come on now. Um, there's another concept that like kind of fits in this, this I read this week also that I'm like, this is, I've been really like thinking a lot about this because you're, when I was thinking about all of this, like kind of social media being a bit of an illusion you're interacting with way more people on social than you ever or online than you ever would in in real life on any given day, right? Like the amount of people that you can engage with online is way more than you would ever see in real life unless you went to like Lollapalooza or something. And I wonder, (laughs) my fucking references are so not current. Um, Mitchapalooza, anybody? I'd go to Mitchapalooza. That was a, looked like a fun time. I want to take me back to the glory days. Um, I wonder what kind of effect that that has on the nervous system, right? Especially for more of the, the highly sensitive folks. What kind of effect that, that does that interaction just like kind of like feeding into so many people's energy have on the nervous system? And I was thinking about this in my head and then I saw this post from Jessica McGuire, who's a trauma-informed physiotherapist. I just came across this. Um, Her handle is repairing underscore the underscore nervous underscore system. So repairing the nervous system. And she wrote the, and I, how, I I think I'm saying this word right. Uh, Reciprocity, reciprocity, like reciprocating. I'm just going to go with it. The level of reciprocity that exists in a relationship is one of the most potent influences on your nervous system. Reciprocity is the giving and receiving. This can be in communicating with talking and listening. It can also be in caring for someone as well as being cared for. Healthy relationships have high reciprocity and these have positive effects on your nervous system. And just think about the interactions people have on social media, especially somebody with a large platform. There's not a tremendous amount of reciprocity right? It's like, it's not like an, it's not like an interaction you would have in real life. And I don't know if this really fits the conversation, but I just wanted to like throw it out there as as like something to think about. Um, and I was like, oh, this is why setting social media boundaries for me feels so good. It's like literally supporting, supporting my nervous system because I'm engaging with, you know, a lot of people, but it's usually an energy output, right? It's usually an energy output uh, on social, on my my business account. So anyway, speaking of reciprocity, let's shout out our other show sponsor, Organifi, the makers and purveyors of high quality 
powders. Um, I did. I did. I tell you I had a cold. I had a bad cold. Oh, I was hacking, coughing up a lung. Um, got tested for COVID twice, negative. But I. So it wasn't COVID. It was just like cold. I'm like, oh yeah, sometimes people just get colds, I guess. Um, but I was pounding their immunity blend. It is, I I call it like Tang. So, remember Tang? It looks exactly like Tang. It's quite tasty. Uh, it doesn't really taste like Tang, but it has uh, vitamin C. It has like a lot of goodies. And so I was just kind of, I needed to stay hydrated. That was the most important thing, hydration and rest for me. So I was pounding um, the immunity blend. So highly recommend that one. You can check out Organifi's products, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And you can use the code FUNK to save 20% off your purchases. All of that will be linked up in the show notes per use. Anyway, let's get back into the, the discussion. Um, so we're almost done. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tie this up for you soon. And I'm going to give you some things to think about and some questions to ask yourself and some like actual, you know, stuff to implement. So back to the article, back to the article, because I want to talk about assumptions that people make on online. People sent me that article because they assumed something about me, right? They made an assumption. They painted a picture in their head based on some of the things that they've consumed for me of who I am. They're like, oh, she's anti-culture. Diet culture, she'll love this. Anti-culture, just anti-culture across the board. Uh, She's anti-diet culture. She will love this, right? And they thought that this is something that like maybe would like you know, upset me or like razz me up or something we could bond over. I don't know. That's not true. So you misread it. Um, Ultimately, here's the deal. It is not my job to live up to your expectations of me or your assumptions of me. It is not my job to live out the picture that you've painted of me. And I say this because I want you to hear it. The same is true for you. Every single person listening, it is not your job to live up to the assumptions that other people have of you. It's not your job to uphold the version of you that other people might have created in their minds. And I just read this recently. It's not your job to like me. It's my job, right? It's my job to like me. It's my job to figure out who I am. It's my job to be Aaron Holt, right? It's not my job to moderate your reaction to Aaron Holt, right? You get that shift. Same is true for you. Your job is to be fill in the blank, right? And what happens when people create expectations about what they think you should be, it's like it's very easy to get disappointed. You know, it's very easy for them to be disappointed. It's it's very easy for you to fall from grace in their eyes. I, I heard, I've been clearly, I've been hearing a lot of things recently. This is another gem. Um, pedestals. I've always been like, please don't put me on a pedestal, but pedestals have um, limited circumference. So it's really easy to fall off. So if somebody puts me on a pedestal for whatever reason in their mind, it's very easy for me to fall from grace. It happened quite a bit last week when um, I had to set some boundaries. Like I am pretty darn clear, right? In my boundary communication, pretty, pretty, pretty clear. But for whatever reason, some people, some people, create a reason why they think they're an exception to my my rules of engagement. Um, I don't, I have not figured that out yet. I haven't worked out the whys behind that yet. Um, but I was having this, you know, there was a couple of email exchanges where people just wanted, they're like, I know you don't do this, but you can do this for me type of vibe. They come with that attitude. And when I reinforce the boundary, they're like shocked and appalled. I had somebody DMing me and Um, when I, you know, I was like, this is, here's, I don't know what exactly what I said. It wasn't, here's why this is a boundary violation. But she said, I know you don't like DMs, but I didn't realize that applied to everyone. Yes, it applies to everyone, right? Of course it applies to everyone. But because when I reinforce a boundary with somebody, it's like, there's like this like fall from grace moment that I wasn't the person they expected me to be. Even though I clearly communicate, I could not be more clear, right? About that. But, the, but some people create this reality of me or this picture of me that is not real. I can't be responsible for that. I can't. So you can't be responsible for all of the versions of you that people are painting out there in the world. 
And so I want you to ask yourself this question, the things that are holding you back, do they have to do with other people's opinions of you? Because here is the truth. Other people's opinions of you, it's not your responsibility. It's not. And this doesn't have to always like being, being applied to like some public persona on social media. This can be as simple as like telling your family that you're going to be gluten-free for Thanksgiving or, you know, telling your friends that like, hey, on this vacation, I'm not drinking or whatever it is, right? Other people's opinions of you, not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to be you and to do what's right for you. It's reminding me of that Glennon Doyle quote. I'll totally paraphrase this, but it's like your job is to disappoint as many people as it takes to not disappoint yourself. You know, it's reminding me of my good girls gone bad episode. What is it? Yeah. Shit. We don't talk about it's actually a month ago that, or excuse me, a year ago almost that I released that anyway. So these are the things that I come back to when I'm sitting with fear and some things that I have to work through is, can I still do this and love myself at the end of the day? Right? If somebody doesn't like it, can I still be proud of myself? That's the inside job that I'm always talking about, right? The scream, the calls coming from inside the house. This is the inside work. Can I do that at the end of the day, if my fear is actualized and people hate it and they spin a story to say why Aaron Holt is so terrible, can I still sit with myself and love myself at the end of the day? Knowing, knowing that either it's not true or I'm going to learn something really good and be a better person from this interaction or I, yeah, those are kind of the, the two outcomes. Can I, can I still do that? Right. I, something that I, I have said before, and I, I want to say it again, because I want you to adopt this mentality. I can't change me to make you happy. I'm an ever evolving human. I'm learning. I'm constantly applying new things. I'm constantly applying new ideas. I'm constantly changing and expanding it's part of being a human, right? Level up, level up, level up, level up. That's just my goal. Just like, I'm just going to keep, you know, forward, forward momentum and trajectory, right? Up, up, up. I want to keep growing. I have like a passion for learning and growing and I, I love it. Some people might not like it. Some people might not love that, right? Keep that in mind. Some people don't like change. That's not a reflection on you. If you're changing, Right? You know, a lot of people don't like when I talk about boundaries. Some people, or some, some, I shouldn't say a lot. Some people don't like it. But like for every one person who doesn't like it, there's probably like 30 people that do, right? 30 people that thank me for discussing boundaries because it teaches them how to do it in their own life. 30 is a very arbitrary number, but to prove a point, let's use 30. Who do you think I show up for? The people who allow me to grow and expand and who allow me to speak on the things that are on my heart the people who let me be me, the people who make my own platform, my own space, a safe space for me to exist as myself, or the people who are constantly telling me that being me is a problem for them, right? That being me is unsettling to them. That me just existing is a problem. The people who try to silence me, right? (laughs) Telling me to take a break from social media because they don't like what I have to say. Who do you think I show up for? My people are the ones that are like, hey, I came for the broccoli, but I saved for the boundaries. What a treat. (laughs) What an unexpected surprise, right? You're my people. Yes. Let's eat healthy food. Let's also protect our mental health. Yeah. We're multidimensional. We get to do all these things, right? So you have to decide. If there's something on your heart to create, if there's something that you want to do, you have to decide. Who are you showing up for? The people that consistently show up in your life and tell you that you being you is a problem or the people that you know in your heart of hearts can benefit from what you have to share. Who are you going to show up for? So to circle all the way back 
to how I move through the fear, when I'm feeling the fear. I have a lot of internal dialogue like this, right? Like today's conversation. In conversation, it's not true. It's just me speaking into microphone. Um, I talk to myself out loud a lot, but I do some digging and I take responsibility, right? I have to take the responsibility by asking myself, who, so we'll use the show as an example, right? Because that's how it all got started. I, me saying, I want to expand my podcast audience. Who is this show for? Who do I show up for? What do I intend for this show to be? I come forward with intention rather than fear. There's the fear, right? There's always going to be some fear right there. Rather than focusing on the fear and letting the fear of other people's opinions and what other people could do dictate my choices and my actions, what's my intention? What do I intend for this show to be? Um, I was listening to Ghost of a Podcast and the host Jessica said, when you shield other people's emotions, are you not kind of deciding for them what they can handle? Is that not kind of shitty? And I was like, damn, that is good. That's really good. I'm not going to try to caretake anyone's emotional reactions to what I say. That's not fair to me, but it's really not fair to you. That's like telling you, I don't think you have enough emotional maturity for this, which is ridiculous. So if you're sitting with fear of doing a thing, I'm going to ask you, what's your intention? If it's something you want to create, what's the intention of that creation? If it's a conversation you want to have with somebody, what's the intention of that conversation? And do you have good intentions? Another question to ask yourself. And first, I want to say, understand something about the brain. Your brain really does want to keep you safe, right? And we, we think of safety as our comfort zone. We think of our comfort zone as safe, right? Because it's like, we know, we know this, right? Comfort zone. I know this. I know that I'm surviving this. This isn't scary because I'm in it. And so we tend to choose the fear that we know versus the fear that we don't. Even if the fear that we know is kind of sucks, we're like, eh, it's better than the alternative of like not knowing the fear. So if you're, if fear is coming up, there's a block, right? There's a limiting belief. There's a fear coming up for you doing the thing that you want to do. Ask yourself this question. Will this fear cause you harm? Like actual physical harm. Is this a threat to your survival? Most of the time, the answer is no. Most of the time, the worry really has to do with other people's opinions, and it's not a true threat to survival. So, holy smokes, does that mean it's truly us worried about other people's opinions of us that is the thing that's holding us back from the thing that we want to do? Yikes. 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 I we'll leave you with this. Would you rather choose the fear that you know, your comfort zone, stay in your comfort zone, or would you rather choose the fear that you don't? And would you rather be the creator or the critic? Would you rather be the creator or the person sitting on the sidelines saying, geez, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Here's the thing. You can do that. You can do that. Absolutely can do that. You do it with the fear. The goal is not to eradicate the fear. The goal is to say, all right, you're not going anywhere. Fear, come on. Come on, let's go. We're doing it anyway. We're doing it anyway. And then on the other side of that, when you see that the fear probably isn't actualized, then you start to gain a little bit more courage to create something new, to do that thing. And the next thing that's on your heart and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Okay. So here we are terrified of, I feel like my audience right now, it's like a nice little cozy, safe space. You know me, right? We've been doing this thing for a while. I'm comfortable here. People get me. People get my vibe. They know what I'm all about. Gosh, now if we start to go into like the big numbers, there's going to be like newcomers to the show and oh, what if they don't get me? What if they think I'm horrible? What if they twist my words and make me bad? Okay. I'm still feeling the fear, but I'm going to keep showing up anyway and speaking what's on my heart and trusting that whatever message comes out of this old pie hole is designed to land somewhere. My intention is good. My intention is to help people. You know, like my intention isn't just to get on a mic and hear myself talk, right? My intention is to help 
people. So because of that, because of that, I'm going to continue to talk despite the fear. All right? Let me know. Hit me up. Come on over to Instagram. Find that IGTV or find a recent post and tell me what you're doing to move through your fear. I would love to hear you. All right? I'd love to hear it. Do some full moon rituals, people. Let that shit go. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.